Welcome to Luxuries for Your Soul with Alexis Kletchian and Lauren Gold. Today is a bonus episode. It is a shared episode from when I was a guest on the Whole Equestrian Podcast with Dr. Tyler Held. Tyler is one half of the Whole Equestrian. She is a semi-tired, five-star groom, has a doctorate in sports medicine psychology, currently a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt and gym owner, a lifelong learner in all areas of mindset and positive thinking. Inside this episode, you'll hear stories of trusting intuitive hits, gain a glimpse into the equestrian mindset, and examples of chasing external rewards that create an unfounded feeling of wholeness and a shaky sense of value and self-worth. Tyler is an avid reader. She and her co-host, five-star international eventer Emily Hamill, have a fun segment on their podcast called Books, 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 and I look forward to introducing you to Emily in the future, but today it's just Tyler and me. If you want to invite us on to your podcast, our contacts are in the show notes below. We both enjoy discussing design, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, and personal growth. Lauren is also interested in mental health, movies, and pop culture. I could talk all day about soul-related interests such as intuition and life purpose. If you want to spend more time with us, join our Facebook group for the podcast community. We post regularly with behind-the-scenes question prompts for upcoming episodes, good reads, sneak peeks before episodes air, and our latest luxuries. Enjoy this bonus episode with Dr. Tyler Held of The Whole Equestrian Podcast. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Alexis Kletchian. Did I say your last name right? Oh my goodness. Kletchian. (laughs) I feel like Emily and I had to go over it a bunch of times. Alexis has been a longtime friend of the show. Emily wears her jewelry to every event. Alexis is a really cool person and I can't wait to have this conversation with her today. As a kid, Alexis spent countless hours playing behind her parents parent shop cases in the jewelers building of Boston. And she basically just got to observe all these awesome customer reactions and their stories and basically inspired a dream of a business where she could make and sell beautiful things. Surrendering to the creative urge, Alexis pursued a career in fashion design and throughout her studies and years of experience in pattern making, sewing, and textile manipulation, she developed a discerning eye for detail and fascination with texture and scale. Guided by intuition, Alexis designed her first piece of jewelry in 2011 and has since become an award-winning designer and destination for good luck charms, talismans, personal power objects, and luxuries for your soul. In addition, her coveted shields have grown a community of worldwide collectors motivated by her trademark mantra, shield yourself. The pieces Alexis creates are influenced by the lore and magic of bygone eras designed for the modern world. She meticulously hand-selects gemstones and cultivates relationships for meaningful exchange. Being mindful of the pieces that you will hold power and house your secrets, each piece is blessed before it leaves Alexis's hands, ensuring a safe journey home and life with you. As a New England native, Alexis now resides within the picturesque farmlands of Chester County with her husband, teenagers, German shepherds, a tiny chihuahua, rescue cat, and a bunch of horses, right? You got like a bunch over there at this point, huh? I do. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. (laughs) We'll we'll get into it. (laughs) We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So 
quite the intro. I love your story. And the more I spend time with you and the more I hear about your life and your interests and your fantasies, the more I'm like, this is an amazing human being and an amazing person to talk to. So tell me a little bit more about that story and like your upbringing and how you got to where you are now. First of all, I want to say thank you for having me. But my bio is... I guess it's short and sweet for my journey. And my journey has been actually a lot messier than my bio would suggest. I did have a father and a stepmother that were into jewelry and they had a repair business. We became estranged very young. I was in junior high and I stopped going back and forth to his house on the weekends. And that was kind of it. When I stopped going, he stopped showing up in my life. And I've never repaired that relationship with him. So finding jewelry was a way for me to go back home, I guess. But I did it completely on my own. And I don't write that in my bio because that's just part of my personal story. So I just leave it there because it's the origins of seeing the tools of the trade, going down the hallways and playing with gemstones from gemologists and engravers. And just being privy to that from such a young age, but they didn't actually assist. That was my persistence to wanting to create a beautiful life of things that I wanted to have. I love it. Yeah. And it's almost interesting when you're forced into something of the family, it doesn't quite always come the passion. And so it's almost the opposite. They didn't take me under their wing. We didn't have a great relationship. They didn't show me and make me dream of it. This was, I found this piece of myself that obviously is a piece of yourself because you've been so successful with it but finding your own way to it. There's a bunch of horse families that sometimes the kids are just as horse crazy as the parents. And sometimes the kids don't want anything to do. The Duttons have twins that have the same thing. It's like Olivia's completely part of the family business and she's running everything over at True Prospect Farm now. And her sister's like, I want nothing to do with the horses. So it's almost very parallel to that sort of phenomenon. And which one's the the smart one? <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> probably her sister, probably Olivia's sister. She's in musical theater. I think she does a lot of really cool creative stuff. And yeah, from right. what I hear is a really cool kid. So yeah. the equestrian lifestyle is we talk about it all the time. It's hard finding balance in it and it's hard finding health and love in it. If you're really passionate about it, you can find that slice of life. But if you grew up in it and you were like, wow, my parents are just away at horse shows every weekend, I could see where you don't want that to be your reality as well. We've gotten a little taste of you. Luxuries for your soul is your company. Beyond the passion for it, how did you actually make that a practicality in your life? How did you say, this is like what I'm going to do and commit to it and make it such a big part of what you are today? So Luxuries for Your Soul is actually like a, a guiding phrase. I had a gallery and I closed it during COVID and I decided to pivot and go back online. And while I was trying to rebrand the gallery, the name of my gallery was Alexis Clutchy and Fine Jewelry. I hear people walk back and forth and say, I'm not going in there. Jewelry, like, whoa, too expensive because it had the word fine in front of it. And my husband used to joke, it had these beautiful window boxes. And he's like, your shop looks like it sells baskets inside. So it's like, shit, I was trying to think of all of these ways I could rebrand so that when people would walk by, they wouldn't feel like I can't go in there. You know, that mindset, how do I get you to come in the door? Once I get you to come in the door, 
you'll see I have antiques. We can have a good conversation. I have candles. There is more. We Maybe we'll be friends. Come inside. Yeah, yep. So I was cleaning the windows one day and I got a new plant and just, you know, doing inside to listening to myself, talking to myself. And instantly I heard a phrase, luxuries for your soul. And I said, oh, I'm going to put that on my sign outside the door. Mm-hmm. Called my sign maker. I added like a whole drop down menu. It said luxuries for your soul. And then I added candles underneath too. So it was like an experiment. And then I could hear people walking by going, luxuries for your soul. What is that? I need to go inside. And I was like, yeah, yes. And then I, the pandemic came and I started hearing messages. I know that sounds crazy, but I started hearing, get out, get out, out. You need to sell everything and you need to leave now, which I was like, what? I'm still working with the luxuries for your soul. I had my best here. I felt like I was in a groove. So that phrase later became my podcast, luxuries for Mm -hmm. your soul podcast. Luxuries for your soul is a tagline. It's just a phrase that, what does it mean to have a well-lived life? Is it something tangible? What is a luxury to you? Is it having a conversation like we're having right now? soul to soul, just two people connecting with the opportunity for people to hear it later and be inspired or impacted or grateful for something in their life. What is a luxury for your soul? For me at this phase of life, I happen to create jewelry, but I love having those conversations with people one-on-one. And the jewelry was a catalyst for me to have that access to someone's stories, to their memories and their celebrations. I absolutely love that definition of what a luxury for your soul is and everything that your podcast stands for in exploring that with people. It's not the same to everyone. You're talking to me. I'm a tomboy. I'm not like a fine jewelry girl, but I connect with everything that you say and everything that you stand for. And even for me, like your pieces of jewelry specifically, they have a message. They have a meaning. It's having that talisman or the sacred seed necklace that you gave me. That's like, this is you growing and this is a symbol of something and letting that transcend just the front cover meaning of this is a fine jewelry store or we're going to go buy something nice and sparkly. It should speak to you. It should mean something to you. And it might not even be jewelry. It might just be us connecting. It might just be exploring other areas of life. And I feel like that's something that we get so pinholed, especially like equestrians, like the equestrians that are really equestrians have, this is my life. This is my lifestyle. And this is what I do. And this is what I think and believe. And for me, this podcast has given me so many opportunities to talk to different people that have different lives and forces, that have different perspectives, that have gone to do really amazing, awesome things. And it's not just shoving yourself in a box. It's exploring. It's being creative. It's finding new things and finding new places. It's this and, right? Yes. Yeah. I love that. That was a podcast we did a little bit ago. And speaking of Emily... I don't think I even know like how you guys connected. Like, how did you meet up with Emily? I know you guys have done a lot of stuff in like the horsey side of things together and she's helped train your daughter some, but what was like the initial, (laughs) do you have a meet meet cute story with Emily? 
Yeah, this is a wild story. And I live a very intuitive life. And this story will show you exactly how I follow my intuition. And your listeners will love this because they know all the characters in the story. Yep. So my daughter was originally learning to ride at a hunter barn. Okay, now let me preface this by saying I know nothing about horses and the equestrian world. And Tyler's dying right now because I am new to all of this world, which hopefully we will get into, which is hilarious because I understand business and industry and creation. And when I get in something, I really get in something. So we were so frustrated at this hunter barn going around in circles and circles. She was losing her passion for riding. And when you start to see someone who loves something so much. I love the animal. I love being here. I love the community. I even like my trainer. I want to try more, challenge me and to be told, no, you're not ready. No, you can't do this. It seemed like dying inside. And I was like, "Hmm, we can't do this. Her birthday was coming around Christmas. And I said, you know what? I need to do something that will inspire her. Randomly, I saw at Radnor Hunt, Philip Dutton had a jump clinic. And I said, what's auditing a jump clinic? Like, I didn't even know. (laughs) And then I was like, $50 per person to watch a jump clinic all day? Whatever. Something told me she needed to go somewhere. I couldn't get her to watch anything online, on TV, nothing. I physically brought her to the jump clinic. We sit there. It's freezing. We have a blanket, our big coats, snow bathroom, there's a porta potty And there is this guy in this Australian accent, just talking on the microphone for hours and hours, classes after jump classes. And she sees one of the girls in there. And she said, I know that girl. So then instantly clicked, she can do this. I can do this. And I looked over at her and she said to me, I can do this. It was all levels jumping. And then I said, okay, you want to do this? So at the very end, we say, can we go talk to the instructor? And I don't know who it was. I think her name was Jenny. It wasn't your Jenny. And she's, oh, do you want to go take a picture with him? And I was like, no. Because to me, taking a picture with somebody, I would never do that. He's just another person. Like, I didn't get it at all. I didn't even know who he was. So then we walk up and we have a conversation with Philip. Poor Philip. Probably hasn't gone to the bathroom all day or eating anything. He's just been teaching hours and hours. And then we tell him, oh, she's been riding around and we just bought two Frisian crosses. And <laughs> we think that, you know, she liked to jump. And he looks at me. And now I know going through his head, he was probably like, Frisian crosses, right? <laughs> So he says, yeah, great. I'm going to Aiken for the winter. Give give me a holler. I'll be back in March. We were like, okay. And then she's, who is this guy? Where is his farm? On our way home, let's just drive by and check it out. We drive by and we see the farm and we think, wow, wouldn't it be so amazing to train here one day? This is amazing. We've actually driven by this place accidentally on our way home from volunteering at an animal shelter up the street. How weird. All right. Time goes on. We didn't ever plan on connecting with him because we were just like, that just seems so far-fetched to like bring our two horses to him. That feels expensive. <laughs> After yep. we were on the facility and we kind of just tucked it away, she went back to the hunter barn and we leased a horse so she could start jumping a thoroughbred who was 
fantastic. It was like 16 to, and we started doing clinics at the Hunter Barn. I still didn't get the difference between hunters, jumpers, or eventers. So she's just chucking along, getting better and getting better. And then again, now we're frustrated again. I open up Facebook. There's a post from Emily as a newly minted five-star rider with an opening in her program. And I was like, something in me said, contact her. And then I thought to myself, I don't know what a five-star rider is, but that seems pretty impressive. And that seems like a very humble ask the way that it was written. So I just instantly messaged her and I still don't know what eventing is, but I Googled it. And then I saw it was cross country and all these things. And I showed my daughter and she's like, yeah. And yeah, you want to haul ass out in the grass and gallop and jump over things. That's what you want to do. Right. And she's like, that's what I want to do. So I had a conversation with Emily and I literally said that to her. I think she just wants to get out there and haul ass. And Emily laughed and she said, well, we definitely do that. (laughs) And she said, all right, let's schedule a time to meet. And then we scheduled a time to meet. And then Sophia and I pulled up and we were like, oh my God, this is the same place. This is the same facility. Yeah. And she was like, oh, mom, we're going to be here. Are you serious? We had conversations with Emily. And initially, I just thought that she was sweet. She was thoughtful. She was kind. She probably thought we were absolutely out of our mind. We had no idea what we were getting into. And my daughter started training with her. And then we went on to lease Arthur, the beloved Arthur. Love him. Yes. Who taught her so much. We took that Frisian cross and we invented her. And Emily became an integral part of our writing story. And I'm just so grateful that when I opened Facebook that day and saw that, I was like, what the hell? I'll contact her. (laughs) I love it. I almost have a similar experience. I didn't really know what eventing was when Mm -hmm. I fell in love with eventing. I was like, I want to do that. No, like looking back, I had no concept of what it actually was, what it actually entailed. Even my first working student job, we went to all one day shows. Like I didn't know people traveled hours to go to big FEI competitions and stuff like that. I was just like, yeah, eventing. It's two minutes. We're going to run and jump things. But yeah, I I absolutely love it. And honestly, like your little big freezing crush. I I have a funny story, actually. The other day I was doing some modeling because, you know, that's you think Tyler, you think professional model. Um, I got connected with this photographer who's amazing and uh, wonderful. And she was like, I'm working on a project. I need some help. Can you do some modeling for me? And I'm thinking I'm just going to be wearing breeches and helmets and stuff like that. I'm like thrown up on like random horses during this time of modeling. And there was an Andalusian horse that I rode Mm. and they're getting some photos of us in the ring. And I was just like trotting circles on this big Andalusian horse. And it was like riding a couch. I have probably not sat the trot in about seven years. Like I have no reason to sit the trot. When I ride now, it's just for fun. I'm just going for a hack, whatever. And I'm like in here with the biggest cheesy smile on my face because I'm like this is the most fun I've had in a horse in forever and it's just because I'm riding this big 
and illusion thing just like trotting around but i love it i love that you walked up to philip dutton and he's like i've got two frisian crosses <laughs> i don't even know if he remembers that like i have no idea <laughs> and one of those frisian crosses did some eventing at his facility <laughs> I know. And now my daughter goes to the same school that his daughter went to and we chat in passing. He, we actually went to Florida. We toured his facility in Loxahatchee. He's been lovely and chatty with us, but I've never been like, Hey, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when I knew nothing about this? And I was I just still like, don't. Yeah. I, I still don't. I'm faking it till I make it. I uh, see. I think you're underselling your knowledge. How do you feel about having horses like being a part of you? Because like, I know you've branched into, you've got your equestrian line of jewelry and everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah. tell me about like how that's been integrating it into your life as mostly, I guess, through your daughter. Yeah. So when I was sitting there bored watching the hunter ring, I was just like, you know, I'm going to make a horseshoe. And then all the ideas just kept going, oh, and I can make it with this and I can do this and I can layer it with this and I can pair it with this. And it's, what does it mean? And it's good luck. And it's, it has such rich history. Horses, horses have been part of our existence. And to think that now so many people, we don't know how to ride them and we're afraid of them. And we used to be reliant and dependent on them. They used to really be our partners to get through life. And I, myself, have a fear of horses. So when we bought horses, we bought babies, which I know is also crazy. But I like to design things for the phase of life I'm in. And I just move energetically with what's going on in my life, with what makes sense. And horses have brought some incredible people into our life that I'm so grateful. We moved here from Boston, I don't know, seven years ago. I had no intention of getting a horse. And when we bought this property, I had no idea it would become a farm. And my daughter could literally start her own training facility, small program from this house if she should choose. It's just so random. Well, I guess it's not random, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and your husband seems to have a great connection with the horses as well. Did he ever have any horse experience in before? That is, or? That is a story. So he lived in the suburbs and... His godfather won a pony in a card game and brought it home. Now you get a horse, kid. And wow. uh -huh, so he had that horse for a little bit and then they moved it to a farm, obviously. But there's a story of when he was very young, he used to sit in front of his radio flyer, you know, the little horse, and he would just go on it all day, eat, eat bananas on it, waffles, breakfast. He wouldn't get off of it. He just rode that horse all day and watched TV when he was tiny. And then he channeled that energy into cars. But He's always wanted a horse and I would never let him have it. I was like, I'm not having an anchor in my backyard. No, I'm afraid of horses. I can't do that. So then when my daughter got into it, he was like, yeah, we're going all the way. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and we did. When we go in, we go all in. And it took him a while to find the right horse for himself. And now he has the greatest quarter horse. It's so sweet. So we have Western going on in the property and we have English. I love it. I've ridden in a Western saddle a few times, but I've always wanted to do like more Western type stuff. Come on over. I, yeah, I'm going to have to because yeah. I got a bunch of free riding stuff for my modeling gigs. And I've got all these riding pants and shirts and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm going to use this as an excuse to to yeah. ride more and get more rides in. Because I like the, that moment on that Andalusian too. I was like, I forgot how much I loved this because I think I got to a point 
where I wanted to be really good. And this is also part of my story with sports psychology is I wanted to be the best. When I started riding and I learned that it was in the Olympics, it was like, that's, I want to be in the Olympics. I want to do that. And I am a very much all in type person too. Like I aligned my life. Uh, there was Denny Emerson, or I think it was Denny Emerson, Good Riders Get Good. How Good Riders Get Good was a book that I read. And he has like a whole chapter on such Sally goes to college in uh, Washington and has a boyfriend and she's not anywhere near eventing versus the girl that breaks up with her boyfriend and ends up in area two and uh, <laughs> just really commits to the sport. And literally that was in the back of my head when I broke up with my college boyfriend. I was like, I need to take my riding seriously. I want to take this seriously and I want to yeah. commit myself fully to it. And I didn't do well. Like I didn't. I mean, I <laughs> I, fin I finished a training three day, but I not good at horseback riding. After I finished my training three day, I got a horse that was winning at prelim and I fell off almost every time I rode that jumping wise. Shows, I think we tried to do seven novices and I got through one of them with a 20 on it. Like it was just, it was not pretty. And I was like so committed to it that I got burnt out on riding yeah. because I was like, I'm trying so hard and I'm not getting the results. And looking back, so much of my mindset was wrong. I was chasing outcomes versus chasing the process. I didn't build myself up. I didn't have a lot of patience with myself or with the with it in general. And so I wish I could go back and take my sports psychology lessons to like little young Tyler and financially things have changed. I can't really own a horse right now. And I've maybe channeled you weren't a lot meant of it. To. Maybe you weren't meant to go back and redo it. Maybe that was just supposed to be the journey to lead you where you are now. Yeah, exactly. And I think about it all the time because I'm like, oh, if only I had known what I knew now. And then I'm like, well, then I wouldn't know what I know about sports psychology and I wouldn't be passionate about sports psychology. I've got a, a bunch of young riders as clients. So and I, I, I said, hey, it's OK to want to go prelim, but here's all the other stuff that you need to pay attention to and focus on and feel OK with so that, you know, when things don't go right, because they're not going to a lot of the times the horse industry is really hard. There's horse injury, people injury. Sometimes you just don't click with the horse that you're on. Yeah. You got to be ready for all that stuff and be invested in the process and the day-to-day -day and connecting with your why. Like, why do you do this? So I have those conversations with people and I'm like, wow, I get that opportunity to change it for someone else. Yeah. And I started jujitsu about a week after I finished my master's degree in sports psychology. And that's been my <laughs> I was like, I'm done my master's. What else can I do? What, what oh, can I wow. add to the what can I add to the books and the schedule? But like okay. for me, that sport is now I get to go and do and try and feel like I've got a different mindset and a different competitiveness. And I don't know, I have a lot of clients too that are like in their 40s and 50s and they're getting back into riding after taking 25 years off. Oh. Maybe that's going to be me one day. Maybe that's what the cards are. Or maybe I'm just going to ride my friend's horses with a big smile on my face and not take it so seriously. And that's enough. To love the horse is enough. Yep. You know, I, yep. I would think, would I consider myself an equestrian because I own horses? I don't know. Loving a horse is enough to be around a horse and to care for a horse. And I tell yep. my daughter that all the time is, if you don't want this to be a business, or if you start chasing those dreams and then you realize, I just love the horse. That's okay. None of this has to change. We can still stay on the journey. We can still keep the horses. You can still train hard. I'm not expecting anything from you. Just love the horse. Yeah. 
that message is one I wish more people had because I think that when I was like, I'm not good enough to compete. Now I'm going to be a top groom right now. I'm going to groom at the Olympics. Now that's my goal. And I still loved the horses that I was working with, but I was like, if I'm not good enough, what's the point of riding? Right. And I, I pushed it deep underneath a lot of layers. And I said, well, I'm not good enough. So I'm not a rider and I don't even need to go on a hack. Right. If I go three months without sitting on a horse, it's not a big deal because I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not a rider. I'm not this. I'm not that. And being able to detach from that and say, it doesn't matter if it's fun and it enjoys it. And circling back to your podcast and your question of what does it mean to live a well-lived life? Like for me, a well-lived life is not going to win a prelim anymore. That's not on the docket. If I go on a Tuesday and I've got a free hour in my schedule and I take a walk hack on a horse that I love with one of my friends and have a nice chat on a beautiful sunny day, like that is a well-lived life to me. That is a well time spent. And I think if you get into the outcome-based mindset, you're like, oh, well, that's a waste of time. No, that's that's a luxury for your soul. That's a luxury for your soul. You're right. Yeah. And not a waste of time because your soul feels fulfilled and you feel alive. And that's what it's about. Exactly. So on that note, tell me a little bit more about your podcast and reading your stuff and watching your journey. You had one of those similar strong pulls to to the podcast, just like you did to close the shop and contact Emily. And it, it really seems like you're definitely someone that can follow your intuitions. What were those intuitions leading you into this journey of podcasting? I was literally in the shower and I heard, oh, you should do a podcast. Luxury Free Soul is the podcast. And I was like, what? No, no, no. I have such a wound around my voice is I feel like a lot of us do, right? We have all these ideas and passions and we want to go out and do things. And if we share our ideas, a lot of people will say, don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Or you start to doubt yourself and say, well, what do I have to contribute? What do I have to say? Who will listen? It felt so indulgent to sit in front of a microphone with no one there, no one on the other side, not knowing what would like, what's going to come out of my mouth. I have no idea. So I thought about it for a long time, way longer than I probably should have. And it got to the point where people were like, oh, okay, you're going to have a podcast, whatever. And, you know, it was having Emily in my life and like, oh, I'm going to go meet with Tyler and we're going to record and just watching you guys do it and try it and just being authentic. And I was like, okay, I know her and she does it. And she loves it and it makes a difference and an impact. And I was in your community and I can see people responding to it. And I was like, well, I have things I want to talk about and I want to share. I want that too. Why am I so afraid to use my voice? And I actually was talking with someone who's in the healing space. We did a hypnotherapy course together and she's in Bali. And she said to me, you need to do a healing course for vocal activation. I went down a rabbit hole and I took this course from a singer actually that helps you heal your voice. It was so cool. Her name is Sarah Rogo, Rogo the Wild. She's incredible. It's so healing for you to say and release what's in your body. I'm not a singer. I can't carry a tune, but I was like, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to be open-minded. And something clicked. And someone else said to me once, When you get tired of the platform that you're already on, or you know that you're ready for more, when that feels like 
old to you. Like you're using a technology and then you may say, I'm so ready for something new. I'm ready to upgrade myself. I knew that just writing something wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. I became ready to use my voice. And I knew that I was ready for that vocal upgrade to share what I had to say through my voice, through my body, my soul, my essence, all of that. And I reached out to Lauren Gold, who used to do PR and marketing for when I had my gallery. And I asked her to be a co-host. I initiated her. I was like, I want you to do this with me. And I knew that she's so busy. She has 20 clients. She just opened a bar. She has two young boys. She's busy. But yep. I was like, you'd be a really good partner for me because I like you. I trust you. And so I was like, please do this with me. And she was like, okay. And we're very different. She is spiritual, but we're on different aspects of that where she doesn't really love the spiritual language, but she truly does live a spiritual life. And where I am like, I've been living a spiritual life for 30 years. So I know lots of things that she may innately know. And then I can introduce her to new ways of exploring that. So that was a very long answer, but. No, I loved every second of it. And I, I think to your point, just going with the theme of this episode, podcasting in and of itself is a luxury for your soul. And I love that you saw Emily and said, oh, she's doing this thing and she loves it and she just gets her voice out there. I think a lot of times throughout the journey and throughout the years of us podcasting, I've had some moments where I'm like, why are we doing this? Do people actually listen to it? Are we making a difference? And every single time those thought processes come into my mind, I go back to the way that I feel after I do a podcast and how I love using it to connect with Emily. We're both very busy, busy people. Like we've been friends for a long time and it's almost like our mandatory friendship date to have our little right. podcast episode. Yeah. And it helps me clarify a lot of my thoughts too. And for a while, there was times at horse shows where people would be like, oh my God, I love your podcast, this, that, or the other. It's hard not to get into comparisons, right? You've got other podcasts on the spectrum that are getting hundreds of thousands of views and stuff like that. And I'm like, we're small, but the equestrian community is small. There's not a giant equestrian community, especially if you think about U.S. eventing. It's not a huge place and it's not a huge space. And I decided a long time ago to fight that inner battle and say, if I help one person, yeah. even if it's just myself, then it's worth it. Most importantly, because if it's yourself. Right. Yeah. It makes me feel good. And I enjoy doing it. And I love connecting with people. And that is what it is. Your podcast is so fun because it's just, it's really just exploring all aspects of, of life and yeah. what it means to live and be alive. It's funny because I feel like when Emily and I started this podcast, my whole like vision and dream was, hey, I've been reading all these books about high performance yeah. in other areas areas of the world. And I feel like equestrians don't have that. And we need to take all of these other experts and these thoughts and these visions and introduce it to equestrians. And as I've been branching out and trying to get more guests on our podcast, it's like, 
why fit into the box of like, hey, just someone that says I am an equestrian and this is an equestrian. Let's talk to people about all of our pieces, nutrition, mindset, fitness, community. They don't have to be a horse person to share knowledge and wealth. And sometimes it takes someone like from the outside looking in Mm-hmm. to say, hey, that's that's not right, or you should look at this a different way, or you should change this. And that's a, a huge part of my story, too, is jujitsu. And the people that I met through jujitsu were probably my first friends outside of the horse industry in years, right? I was in the horse industry, and these that was my life, and everyone did the same thing as me, and they looked the same way. And I had my jujitsu coach say, Tyler, you work really hard. You know, you put a lot of time and energy for this. What are you getting out? And not that grooming is not a good profession and it's not a good quest, but I've now designed a life that is still partially horses, still partially all things equestrian and a lot more freedom to get to do and explore what I love. I have to tell you, for the listeners, I have all of Tyler's charts here with all of the spiritual stuff that I'm going to be releasing in the future. But that's never going to stop for you. It was horses then. It's jujitsu now. It's sports psychology. You are going to continuously morph. And you're going to take that model of working hard with you. That is you. That is never, ever going to stop. It's such a high workload for you. Yeah. So do take that vacation. And don't be hard on yourself because that is who you authentically are. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, oh, it's okay. It's okay to just do something for fun. It's okay. Because I feel like there was, there's so much like bunched up, like type A perfectionism in me, but I really feel like the past two years have been extremely transformative in terms of my mindset and priorities. And I I, can hear it. I, I can hear it in, in the episodes. And that's why when you talked about the growth, I could hear that growth and that softening and that maturing of you saying, this is where I am and this is where I'm going. I was like doing other things and listening to the podcast and I heard it and I, I stopped and I was like, Oh, I I have another listener that I did some sports psychology with and she's been listening from like day one. Mm -hmm. And she said this something to me one time on a, one of our calls. And she said, I've listened to you grow from like a girl to a woman, like over the last three, four years. And it's crazy to think that's all catalog. That's the other positive of podcast right now. It's all cataloged. You can go right. back and listen to episode one. And it's funny. I actually did that uh, with my boyfriend and I were in the car the other day and I was just showing him sound quality stuff. So I was like, look at like mm-hmm. our first episode versus like our episode now. And we listened to a little bit of the early stuff. And I said, it's so interesting to me because like the concepts that I thought about back then, they were like in their raw form and they're so much more developed now. And now I have a whole doctorate level education to back up the science. And like, I could tell you who said it and where it Mm -hmm. comes from and why, but like I knew back then I haven't changed my theory of performance and what it means to be excellent. I've just developed it and grown it with all the work that I've put in over the last, however many years. But that's your gift. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we all, all right, just tell- get to experience it, right? And be wowed and be like, wow, what's Tyler doing now? Doctor, what's Dr. Tyler doing now? It was actually funny. I think the next time Emily and I have an episode, we'll talk more about this. But when I got my purple belt, 
it wasn't like that rushing cascade of emotions that I used to get at an achievement because I've changed so much of trying to work so hard for an external reward that other people can see to really valuing yeah. what I do in the day to day. I remember when I got my blue bell, I was like, oh, like this is a thing that I've worked really hard for. And, and like to me, it was just another day. I was like, this is just something that I've earned, that I've put the work into that means nothing more than, you know, where I compete and where I enter my competitions. I was so much less emotional because it wasn't like I'm killing myself to get here. It's I'm just living my life and this is part of it. Right. And the better you get at it, the less you're going to kill yourself at it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I'm pretty sore. I, I put a lot of training in this week. I'm pretty sore. I'm like sitting on my floor in my closet right now. I'm like, oh, this was a bad idea. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, I know there's like a big venture um, and call for you in the future in a field called human design. And I was doing my own like little Google searching uh, before this call. And I saw some words like the I Ching and quantum physics. I'm super excited. I'm very naive. I know Emily's talked about some work that she's done with you as well, but I feel like my mind's about to get opened up as well. So I'm going to let you take the floor and tell me all about human design. Okay. So I might go back and forth between like human design and traditional astrology, because I don't believe in just like sticking to one thing. I like to take what resonates. And also based on the person's chart, I have to intuitively see what's best for them. And it's funny that you and I have a lot of similar stuff in our chart in different places. So when we talk about human design, it's really the system of who you are meant to be, not who people tell you you are, not the people-pleasing version of you, not the scarcity mindset version of you. It's it's who your soul, and stay with me here, reincarnated to be, who you are in essence. I believe in soul contracts. I believe that up there in consciousness, we were all like, hey, I love horses. I want to have a life of horses. And someone steps forward and says, I want to ride horses. And then someone else steps forward. Let's just say she's Emily and says, I'm going to be an amazing five-star rider. And I have aspirations of this, but in order to get there, I need to have a team of students. Can I be your teacher? And then the other one says, yeah. And then they say, all right, I'll meet you in 30 years. And then we come all down into the world. We come out of consciousness. We go on our path. We're going on our path. Maybe we're moving too fast. Maybe we're moving too slow. We have appointments. Emily has to reach her five-star status before she can post that Facebook post, before I can see it. What happens along her journey? How fast does she go? How slow does she go? Who does she meet? I believe that we have soul contracts and we meet up and therefore we become a soul group and we meet again. And when we look at our charts and we see these similarities and we think, whoa, why did you come into my life? I needed your gifts to inspire me. I needed you to impact me. I needed you to push me. I needed you to disappoint me. Because if you didn't, I wouldn't then be initiated to go and do what I did. There's the good, the bad, and everything in between. And we are all of that all the time. And so our charts show us things that we need to see and we need to heal from. And when I look at your chart in human design, you are a manifesting generator. Did you find that about yourself? I did not. Okay. 
You're a pure manifesting generator. I get your chart up here. Let me just pull it aside. You're a pure manifesting generator. So what that means is that you were born to be multi-passionate. You were born to go, 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 to have an idea, take that idea from conception and then move into action and not let anything get in your way. And to be able to do that with several things over and over again until you were done with it, that you are meant to feel satisfied, to inspire, to light up, to be impacted and create impact in the world over and over again. And when you are not doing something that brings you pure joy, you will be burnt out. When you are burnt out, that is your signpost for, this is not working for me. I need to Mm -hmm. stop, burn it down, rebuild again. That's it. It's pretty simple. You could be doing that with five things in your life. You're not meant to feel tired either because you have this great, powerful motor. You're meant to burn that energy. Every single day, you move at the speed at which most people cannot comprehend. And that is just who you are. People need to get on board and go with you or get out of the way. That is so accurate. Yes. Your profile is a 5-1. So a 5 is very mysterious. A 5 wears a mask. It's a projection field. People think they know you. They know what you feel, what you want, and who you are. And maybe you you let them think that they know that because it's easier, quite frankly, because you don't have time to tell people what you think, what you feel, and what you want because you're too busy crushing goals. But somewhere deep inside, you do want to say what you think, what you feel, what you want, but maybe you think the other person doesn't truly understand or see you for who you are. And that can be a wound. I'm not saying that that is you know, what you're experiencing, but that five is a mask in a projection field. My daughter has this also. So it's, it's interesting to raise a person with that. You have to learn to advocate for yourself and not let people project on to you because you do see the all. And then the other side of that being a five, one is the one is the investigator. You need to know all of the things Tell me all of the things and then I will tell you the things I'm going to investigate. I need to know from A to Z what it's all about for me to then decide if that's true. Is that true? Is that true for me? Does that resonate so far? Yeah, so much, so much. (laughs) Like It's crazy, honestly. Okay. So when we look at the body graph, it's really confusing. It's all these like numbers and triangles and these, the chakra system and the energy channels that connect everything. You have a defined head and a defined Aja, a defined head. You know what you know, and you think what you think, and it's consistent and reliable and no one is going to tell Tyler otherwise. (laughs) I think my parents would definitely agree with that one. Okay. So that's consistent and reliable, right? And like the way you communicate, the way you share those ideas, the way you conceptualize those ideas is just not going to change. You are unlikely to be influenced or swayed in one way or another. So it's funny when Emily talked about me coming on the podcast a long time ago and talk about human design. I was like, "Mm, I don't think Tyler's ready yet. I think I specifically said to her, like, I'm not ready to show up to that dog fight because you and I both have the channel of the alpha, which means like, we are the alpha. You're not going to get in a fight with me. You're not going to tell me anything. Like we have different things in our design, but you actually, your incarnation cross, the job, the heavy load that your soul wants is actually the full expression of the alpha. I have a channel of alpha, but my incarnation cross is on the cross of penetration. So I'm here to 
penetrate and feel and get into it and understand what needs to move, what needs to let go, feel it and transform it. But you are the full alpha. So when we had those things in common, I was like, just wait, I might just wait. I might just wait a little. And then as I would like, listen, I could hear the growth. And when you talked about the seed and all that, and I was like, "Mm, she's getting ready. She's getting ready. So anyway, that's just a little side thing. Emily's probably laughing. She's listening to this. Probably cracking up right now. I think Emily's probably had to deal with a lot of my alpha through the years too. So what that means though, is that like, it's not a bad thing, right? The alpha in a pack knows, like she knows she's boss. Yeah. And as she matures, she stops telling everyone she's boss. She just watches, she moves and people follow. So the alpha can change and morph. And when you really have that self-worth and you know who you are, you stop proving it to the world. You stop displaying all those gold stars. I just have the channel of it, but that's your full workload. That's consistent and reliable. And it's going to show up in everything you do. You are a true alpha. When we look at your sun sign in in, uh, tropical astrology, you're a Leo, the lion, courageous. You're here to pounce and to shine and to be seen. And in human design, you're the alpha. So yeah, own it. Yeah, but the difference between feeling not whole so you have to say the things like hey yeah i read 52 books this year i graduated with highest honors i finished high school at 16 college at 19 i used to have a little here's my resume i'm gonna spit out at you and sometimes i'm just hey i'm tyler like i'm dr tyler you don't have to call me that i'm tyler like that and i'm gonna let my work shine for itself now i've got a lot of stuff going on i'm doing it I'm living it instead of being like, here's my resume. Here's the stuff that I've done. Here's what I've accomplished. I don't have to say that to just be me anymore. Where I see this in your chart also, when I look at the body graph in human design is you have a wide open G center, which is your self-love and your acceptance because you have no activation in it at all. So you and I right now in resonance, you have it. Because mine is defined and I have energy coming out of it that connects to other places. So when you and I are together, you get it, you borrow it, you absorb it, and you amplify it. That's the beauty of having a wide open center. Mm -hmm. You ever notice when you're around other people and you're like, I'm so amped up, I'm so excited. I said I was going to do all these things. We're going to get together. And then you're out of that person's aura and their energy. And you're like, why did I say that? I don't really want to do any of those things. Or you wake up the next day and you're like, yeah, no, I don't feel like that. But I said I was going to do it. And now I have to show up because I keep my word, which is also in your chart. I made an agreement. I made a promise. I'm going to follow through. I have to show up. They're expecting me to. And that's who I am. And I'm going to follow through. But I don't like it. And now I feel bad about it. And what does that mean about me? That is all here in your chart. And when you're with other people that light you up and feel you and respect you and love you for who you are, you don't have to do those things. And you actually don't feel those things because you feel whole. Yeah. Knowing yourself and what you need and then getting it and saying, no, I deserve that. I'm not going to do that thing. Or I really like you. I want to spend more time with you. Or Just being curious about something is very healing. Before we move away from human design, I want to make this point because this might make you uncomfortable. (laughs) 
<laughs> your spleen is open too. It's undefined. Well, you've one hanging gate trying to bridge a gap to another centers, but that's the center of survival and awareness. It's the intuition center and you don't have it designed. So your intuition or your thought, like your thought process of, is that good for me? Can I trust this? Should I trust the universe? Should I listen to this? Your head fights with your gut feeling, with your inner knowing. There's a battle there because you don't have it consistent and reliable. Your intuition, it comes and it goes, depends who you're with. Like, yeah, this feels good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to trust that person or all this a night, a gut feeling or an intuitive hit. And I don't know why you might dismiss it because your head is so defined. You might get in your head and say, I don't believe in that. That's crazy. That's not really a sign. That's not really a coincidence. And you might have that inner struggle where Emily is so different in that regard where she does live her life intuitively and she might not always say it because then Tyler's, oh, come on. You can't know. Think about that. Let's rationalize that. Your rational mind comes in and you're strategic and then your alpha comes in and then Emily might be like, oh, and then she might not say it. She lives like a super intuitive life, but she might not always give the words to it. Yeah. You're so opposite in that way. But then when you're together and as you start to soften and trust yourself and trust your intuition, you're like, yeah, I do like that. That does make sense. Does that resonate with you? It does. I feel like, yeah, like sometimes I am like the one that's like, hey, let's be rational about this. Let's think <laughs> about it a little bit more. And I even say that sometimes in my sports psychology stuff. I'm like, let's blend this positive affirmation with like rational stuff. Let's add that in there. And it is funny because it is a push. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I feel like I was meant to be here. Or I meant I yeah. told you the other day I had a meeting and I was like, oh, I feel like the, the I was meant to meet this person. This person yeah. was meant to come in my life. And then I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, what? Right. Just starting to just unpack it a little bit more and starting to overthink things. That's me. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's normal. And it's not a bad thing. It's who you are, right? Your soul chose that battle. But why? Yeah. That's why we want to go deeper. Like, why? Why did I choose this for myself? What I'm really interested in now, I'm moving forward and thinking about building a course and doing all of this like spiritual mindset stuff with meditations and all of that, because I've been studying hypnosis. And then obviously I'm very passionate about this. Your rising sign in astrology is cancer, which is interesting because I am a cancer sun sign. You're a sun sign Leo and you're a moon sign Aries. I'm a rising Aries. We have a lot of opposites. Do you know anything about your rising sign? No, I've, I don't think I've heard that term before. Okay. Cancer is ruled by the moon. So the moon has a really heavy influence on your chart and it's about feeling, caring, but you have a tenacity. Home and family and friends are really important to you. You're protective, you're fierce. You have a need for security and close bonds with others. But your moon is in Aries, which is the fire starter, the initiator, and waiting just doesn't suit you and you will not be held back by others. But the moon is also where you nurture and you are likely to help others with their independence and help nurture and find the spark within themselves. Wow. I love that. I loved that too. When I found that, I was like, oh, because that really works with your mindset practice and working with other people. And you do have a spark and you are fiercely independent and you champion that in other people. And so I was like, oh, this definitely tracks for her. So your son is in Leo. 
You're courageous. You're here to shine, to be seen, and to thrive. Your moon is in Aries. So where you shine in what areas of life is where you can nurture other people and ignite that spark and help initiate other people. That's where you take your alpha and you say, you can do this, go for this. Your alpha is meant to be nurturing, but first we have to nurture ourselves. We have to heal ourselves before we can pave the way to do it for other people. So it's nice to see you moving in this direction authentically. And then your rising sign is what people see is your tenacity for going after what's important to you, your friends, family, and community. And also the cancer hides in their shell until they go through the molten process until they're like, all right, I don't need this shell anymore. I can be vulnerable until I find my new home, till I start my new thing, till I initiate that next project. Yeah. And then this is what I'm really excited about. And you and I also, again, share the same thing, but in different places. The North Node and the South Node is so important to our charts. You have a North Node in Scorpio and a South Node in Taurus. And this is exactly what I have. The North Node is your true North. It's where your soul wants you to go. It's the new beginning for this lifetime. It's what you're seeking, where you're going to be insatiable. And your South Node in Taurus is meant to be like your past lives. It's the gifts that you brought into this life with you, along with the wounds. It's the patterns that you're comfortable with. It's the things that are repetitive in your life. It's the things that you understand naturally. And sometimes it's what you need to let go of. Are you familiar with the energy of Scorpio? No. Okay. So Scorpio is really intense, mystical, and complex. I'm reading from my notes here. They're always concerned with transformation, inward moving, and they're masters of controlled passion. They love deep conversation and investigating. Scorpio knows what lies beneath. You don't need to say it, but it's also the detective and really good at getting answers. Scorpio is the super sleuth with a sting in its tail, but they have a great capacity for regeneration. Scorpios love research, psychotherapy, and anything that plumbs the depth of a topic. So you and I share this. Uh huh. You have it in the fifth house. I have it in the eighth house, the mystical house. So like this stuff is very aligned for me. And the fifth house for you is the house of creativity, children, procreation, how we play, joy and delight and have romance. Because you also have Pluto there, which is the planet of transformation. It would suggest that you would be great with children, you would be an excellent mother, or being creative with children is very transformative for you, which is interesting because you teach jujitsu with kids. The kids. And that's not something that I thought would ever be part of my path. When I was growing up, I was like, I don't think I, kids are ever going to be part of my life. And one of the best parts of my days is teaching kids jujitsu. Mm-hmm. So this is where your soul wants to go in this lifetime. It wants you to be intense and to get in there and be creative and to be transformative with community, with people, to be that initiator and that fire starter, to not compromise, to be inward moving, to ask the questions. And then your south node, which astrologers say, these are the secrets of your past life. This is where you came from, if you are to believe in past lives and incarnation, which 
I do. And like I said, I have this also, but in a different place. Taurus is about pleasure and living well, beauty, passion. They're calm, they're reserved, they're grounded. They're attuned to the physical reality and the rhythms of the body. Taurus loves to build something of lasting value that your life work unfolds slowly and steadily building upon each accomplishment. Slow and steady, patient and endurance, persistent, immensely stubborn, concerned with money and material success, loves music, food, and the arts. So even though this is your past, you keep these gifts. So you would notice that (laughs) slow, steady, persistent, stubborn, you recognize any of those traits or do you fight with those traits? I'm very stubborn. Actually, this is a completely random thing, but my boyfriend and I have a thing that that our light is like right next to where I sleep and I make him turn it off. I'm like, no, you turn off the light. It's time to go to bed. I'm very stubborn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so this is landing in between two of your houses, which I always find interesting. So these things for you in the past came up around your career and public image and how you live in the world, using achieving success, authority, and how other people see you. And it also shows up where you find yourself within friends, groups, social networks, and your unique role on a team. It's also the house of hopes and wishes working towards common goals for the team. So if you believed in past lives, your past was full of a well-lived life where you were part of teams in career and you were obsessed with achieving success and authority and who you are out in the world. So just what you said a few minutes ago of you not always having to prove yourself or read off all of your accomplishments, that's a wound that you brought in with you in this lifetime. And you are already authentically saying, I can let go of that. I don't need that because I am that. Love it. Yeah. And it's tracks. And I think, I think the important thing about this stuff is whether you believe it or not, there's lessons to be learned. And it's a point mm-hmm. of conversation to start to talk about and explore. Like a while back, I, I read a book, Many Lives, Many Masters. I, that was going to be my answer for what book changed my view of the world. Wow. What a segue. What a segue. Yeah. I read that. I want to say in 2016, maybe. And I was like, I literally like, I'm like deathly afraid of needles. It has taken me a long time to like even be able to get my blood drawn without having to take a Xanax. And I always would joke with people. I'm like, I think it's past life trauma. I don't know why. I literally can't even deal with needles. And I'm like, it must have happened to me in a past life because there's no rational. The rational part of my brain Uh says it's just a needle. It's just a prick. Relax. And the completely, I'm like screaming on the outside. And that's always been my little joke. But again, I think you can say anything you want about it, but it's always a conversation starter and a, hmm, isn't that interesting? Can I think about it? Can I learn more about myself? Similar to like personality type quizzes, like, cool, you don't have to be that person because it's written down on a piece of paper, but you can start to explore what it means to you. And question, why am I acting this way? And uh, it's funny when you were talking to me about like the human design basics, like my mind was going to, did you, have you seen the Pixar movie Soul? Yeah. 
when they're up in the, they're like the little baby souls and they're like walking mm-hmm. into each little thing, getting pieces of their personality. Like, I feel like that tracks with how you're describing human design. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't necessarily human design. It was just like a soul contract. Like, right, right. That's what I think is like in a soul contract. You choose your parents for specific reasons to help develop all of the gifts that you innately have to push you or to initiate you to advocate for yourself. I've worked a long time on myself through mindset, but I I didn't do it the traditional way. You've got a doctorate and I got Reiki. I did tarot readings. I went to psychics. I spent 30 years working on myself spiritually so that I could hear a message that says, what about luxuries for your soul? If I didn't spend all that time trusting and believing in myself and watching the results of creating the life I wanted to have, I wouldn't have this unflappable trust in myself. You don't have to be a believer. You could listen to this conversation and say, let me just experiment with that. Let me just try it. We just need to listen. We're all getting the messages. Yeah, I love that. And you have to... No, I absolutely, again, I think we talked a little bit at the beginning about having different and new and innovative conversations. And I think that's exactly what this was. And I think that there's exploration to be had with anything and things take the power that we give them and beliefs. It's so similar to a lot of the empirically based stuff of self-talk and like what you're telling yourself and what you're thinking about and where your focus goes, your energy flows in the spiritual realm. And there's a lot that's backed up with that. And there's a lot to think about. Hopefully that's more of a a business venture for you in the future as well, too. But uh, for our listeners, the question that I am asking our guests on these guest episodes to really feature books, books, books is what is one book that you are currently reading? And one book that you feel like you shaped your view of the world. So I'm going to let you go. Maybe we should start with shaped your view of the world since we already sort of alluded to that, Alexis. Okay. So it was the same book that you read, Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Weiss. I read that book maybe 20 years ago. I remember sitting in the chair of a woman that used to do um, spiritual healing for me in Reiki. And for some reason, she said, you need to read this book, Many Lives, Many Masters. I think this would be really helpful for you. I got the book. I still think about it all the time. And I just think it's so lovely that our souls have been here before. Who knows how many times? And we take those gifts and we bring them back with us. We don't always remember where we came from or what we were good at or what we weren't good at, but we are living it out sometimes all over again and maybe in a better way and sometimes maybe in a more harmful way. There are always lessons to be learned, not only in our daily lives, but where we came from. And every single day we have the opportunity to change that. Who's it Gandhi that said, be the change that you want to see in the world? We can literally do that uh, by the decisions that we make every single day. We can change our DNA for every generation that comes next and thinking about our past and our future and how we collectively come together. I'm just endlessly fascinated by that. So that's a book I definitely recommend, Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Weiss. I love it. Yeah, I'm glad that I had already read the book. It was interesting. I had a friend that was getting into a similar mindset and she was like, you should really read this book. And I was like, there's a lot to think about and a lot to ponder here. And when you were describing your podcast co-host, I have a lot of draw to spirituality. And I feel like the language and the terminology I use about it is not 
100% like, yes, like we are spiritual and in my past, I'm reluctant to talk about it in that language, but there's, there's a seed. I'm going to use the seed word. There's a seed in me that feels a draw to it and a pull to it. A sacred seed, if you will. A, A sacred seed. Very cool. We've talked about the luxuries for your soul podcast. We've talked about jewelry. Is there any other place you want to direct our listeners to find you or connect with you? You can find the Luxuries for Your Soul podcast Facebook community, which is fun. I post behind the scenes things from personal lives, inspiration stories. Lauren shares also, and it's a place for our listeners to get to know us. I regret in your introduction, the very last sentence, you're like, with your husband, teenagers, German shepherd. We forgot to add deer to that because (laughs) you have a deer (laughs) that goes into your house, like a full-grown deer that just hangs out in your kitchen sometimes. Yeah, so you can find pictures of Timber and you can see the journey of Timber on my personal Instagram page, Alexis Kletchian on Instagram, Timber the Deer. A very fun little side note to wrap it up with. Thank you so much for listening. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to join us in our new Facebook community for behind the scenes conversations, sneak peeks to upcoming episodes and more. If you love these conversations and want to show your support, take a screenshot of your favorite episode to share on social media. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button for all the luxuries for your soul.